Edge Radio. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Keelguard Studios. Bass Edge Nation, welcome to another episode of Bass Edge Radio. Happy y'all could be here with us, Aaron. We've got a uh, great show in store for the listeners today. We're going to start chatting about some fall fishing. How about that? Hey, I am ready. Not too long ago, we actually set in Missouri a uh, record temperature for where I live. And so I'm, I'm kind of ready to see that fog, you know, rising off the water a little bit. Temperatures <laughs> yeah. start cooling down, you know? Yeah, uh, let me tell you. Now, I've been seeing this mostly from afar as I've been on the road for uh, several weeks, almost two and a half months. But Texas has been brutally hot and good enough to be up in Pennsylvania right now. It's been fairly cool. So enjoying these last days here before getting back to Texas. And hopefully it's going to be a little cooler by the time I arrive home. But let's talk about cooler weather. Aaron, you're getting ready to fish some makeup tournaments. And there's going to be a lot of tournaments going on this fall. There are. And it's it's really unique. Uh, You know, when you look at the BASS tournament uh, elite series, rather, you know, they've kind of switched into more of a fall schedule. Me, on the other hand, with, with what I'm fishing through Web Outdoors there, we're actually having to do a makeup. We had a couple that got mm-hmm. canceled because of COVID, but uh, one of them that is being rescheduled prior to us heading into the championship, I will be leaving on the 21st to head to my favorite place, and that is Table Rock Lake. So I am really amped about that. No doubt. We usually talk about fall fishing this time of year, and it's usually kind of like, are we going hunting? Are we going fishing? And if we go fishing, these are the things we need to look for this year much more focus on fall fishing and especially with the national news that we're going to get out of the elite series and uh, watching live and all the different things and it's going to be an interesting kind of transitional period where i think we'll probably see some old techniques and some new techniques but ultimately we're going to see some things that we haven't been able to really follow with the national tours for several years so i'm really excited about that and really looking forward to just you know how that whole thing develop some. I'm starting to get ready for the U.S. Open. We're not quite in travel mode yet, but uh, you start thinking about these things and and how you want to attack some fall fishing. So uh, hopefully this will continue the crazy wild outdoor trend that we've had all summer and will push it right through the fall for the whole industry, man. It should be a good deal. I agree. I agree. You know, other things that people are thinking about, uh, it seems that the outdoors market in general has just been lights out. Of course, we've talked about the boat market, those types of things. But as you know, I want to remind listeners as they are out there, perhaps looking to maybe repower, buy a new boat, buy a new boat to them. You know, let's not forget uh, those that's been with us from the very beginning. And that is our friends at MegaWare Keelguard. Of course, they have been here since day one with all of their products. You've got the Scuff Buster, the first do-it-yourself keel protector. Now the battery guards that help with the uh, shock absorption of, of those expensive batteries and provides longer life there. But uh, again, just encourage everybody to make sure to stay abreast with everything KeelGuard by following them on their social media or going to their website KeelGuard.com. Yeah, so many great products. And and talking about long-term partners, we, we can't forget Lugasoil and Heads Up because we've got another tackle tip brought to us with ProtectTheHarvest.com. Stay tuned. 
this episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with MLF BBT Pro, Justin Lucas. Hey guys, Justin Lucas here. I uh, just want to give you a quick tip for the fall. One thing that I love to do is throw our Berkeley Fritz side crankbait in the number five size. And I love to downsize my line. The water's real clear. I want to get my bait a little bit deeper. So I downsize the eight and 10 pound test. And that bait being a flat-sided bait just draws a lot of bites, even in clear water and when the bass are chasing smaller bait in the fall. So tie on a Berkeley Fritz side and check it out this fall. Great tip, Justin. Brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Live Well, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, I was just, as we were at break there, I was just looking at the radar. It looks like it's getting a little dark outside and uh, typical as fall weather. You start to get some fronts come through and uh, we might be seeing one here shortly. So uh, hang on to your hat if it gets a little loud on my side. Well, I, I appreciate the heads up and I'm assuming you're probably in your camper. Um, I so am. I would take your old school TV antenna and maybe reel it down a few <laughs> feet so that you don't have a big lightning rod sticking up there. Yeah, that would be a bad deal. But, you know, I start to enjoy, you know, this time of year, a lot of cool mornings. And, you know, we started to see that all throughout the country and coming off FLW title championship or coming off of the, you know, several weeks ago, all the smallmouth events, right? I mean, you had the Lake Erie Super Tournament. You had the Bassmaster Elite Series at St. Clair, the FLW title event. And now the smallmouth thing is really kind of off of our radar. We're moving more into the largemouth territory. But I want to rewind slightly. We didn't talk about this last episode, but Aaron, have we ever seen a piece of electronics take shape like we did on these smallmouth fisheries with live scope or live sight, the looking forward ahead technology that the anglers are using to catch bass. Dude, it's like they're not even casting those smallmouth unless they see them on the graph. So to answer your question, Kurt, I have not. It is quite impressive to see something, a piece of technology change, right? Because at the end of the day, we always say, well, 
you still have to catch the fish. Well, first, what we know is you have to be able to find the fish before you can catch the fish. And what that technology has done is just absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, the the future, I don't know where we will be going from there, but you're exactly right. Yeah, it's some amazing stuff. Um, I understand that Lawrence is going to be coming out with some more forward imaging. Uh, Hummingbird, you know, they've got the 360, right? So they've got a lot of cool stuff. But, you know, this Garmin thing, this live scope seems to be ahead of everyone else on this forward looking technology and uh, almost seems like if you're not on the train, then you might be on the caboose at this moment because the engines ahead are are seeing what's going on and and it's Man, I've just never seen something dominate like that in such a short period of time. But uh, maybe I've been out of the loop a little bit. I remember a few years ago seeing it uh, on some boats, and I played with – actually, we had him on the show last episode, Brad Hallman's Electronics. And he uh, showed me what the live scope was doing you know, probably about 12, 18 months ago. So uh, anyway, it's interesting to see again you know, whether it's GPS or sonar or spot lock or power poles. Aaron, we're just getting older and we continue to see transition in technology and bass fishing and how it helps us catch more fish. Yes, and I think it speaks volumes. Anytime, one of the things of growing up in the sport, you know, you and I, same age, we've been at this a long time. But Kurt, when you start seeing national tour level guys like yourself who are spending their own dollars to buy a piece of technology or a bait or something like that, that's kind of my first uh, sirens going off indicating that, okay, this is something we need to stop and and pay attention to. So just my two cents. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, look, we're going to get Greg DePalma on the phone, BASS Elite Series Angler. Providing you don't get blown away first, right? (laughs) As long as I don't get blown, it continues to get darker here. So uh, I'm looking forward to a thunderstorm. But uh, we're going to talk about some fall fishing. How about some transitional movements and uh, maybe some precursor to what we're going to see in the Bassmaster Elite Series over the next uh, two months or so. So uh, y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. I'm FLW Tour Pro Luke Duncan. I'm professional angler Keith Polchet. This is 2019 Bassmaster Classic Qualifier Jared Littner. This is BASS Elite Series Angler Seth Fighter. This is Facts and Fishing host Dave Mercer and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard.
In this episode, we start talking about fall fishing and how that transition occurs. This will be a huge discussion, actually, for the next several weeks as the BASS Elite Series begins a four-event span in the fall, maybe something we haven't seen for nearly 15 years. So what do we do? Of course, we bring in an Elite Series angler for the discussion that probably starts to see the fall bite before much of the other fishing community as he's from up north in New Jersey. Big thanks to BASS Elite Series angler, Greg De Palma for joining us on this episode. Awesome to have you, Greg. Man, awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Greg, exciting. You know, September is kind of one of those months, I think, if you polled a lot of anglers that uh, they look forward for it to be over because the fishing can be difficult regardless of what parts of the country that you're in. But here we are, September 15th and heading into the tail end of September. You know, why don't we jump right in and why don't you kind of give us the skinny on what the first signs you see environmentally that has you thinking fall bass behaviors? Yeah, man. You know, the, the very first thing that I think most of us actually overlook is the shorter days. As soon as them shorter days start to come, that's when it starts to happen. Well, and certainly, you know, that's something that we talk a lot about is the photo period, you know, and the amount of sunlight. Do you think it's because of just the cooling down or is it just part of that internal clock or all the above that kicks the bass and the bait and everything kind of in the food chain into high gear? Yeah, I really think the biggest thing with fishing that's not talked about is kind of the internal chain. And it goes for just more than fall fishing. I think it goes a lot for the spawn also. The fish know when things are changing before we do. They have the animal instinct and they're probably the best at it, honestly. Well, Greg, fall bass behavior, you know, we mentioned that it's such a broad term. Obviously, mm-hmm. different stages of fall bass behavior, just like there is in the spring, you know, in the spawn time. What in the fall, you know, as far as stage what are some of those movements that you're seeing once you start seeing, as you mentioned, those shorter days? What are the fish starting to do that trigger that on-the-water movement that'll key in? Yeah, you know, the very first thing that I always notice, one of the things is, number one, if you start seeing fog on top of the water, that means the bait's already gathering up. Things are cooling down. Obviously, the biggest thing this time of the year is if you find the bait, you find the bass. It's that simple. Uh, I think a lot of us get frustrated with not knowing where to look and, and how to locate them. And, you know, going over all that today, I think is a great discussion. Yeah, you read my mind on that uh, thought into the next question. And that's the biggest thing. You you alluded to it earlier in, in your first statement that the bass are generally ahead of where we as humans or anglers, right? Because you, you get those warm fall days and it's still maybe 70, 80 degrees out on the water, air temperature. But those bass are liable to have already moved. What are the areas of the lake or reservoir that you look to target bass and what specifically are you looking for in the early fall season? Yeah, you know, it's a really broad statement just because there's so many different scenarios. You know, I think a lot of times when we read articles as far as what we're looking at, I think we're thinking about reservoirs most of the time. So, you know, one of the biggest things is, and I'm just going to use a lot of the lakes in the country, you know, they all have a really deep river channel that runs through them. And one of the biggest things that I can tell you, the first key that you're going to look for is any kind of main lake or river point that isn't a really sharp point. You want a really long tapering point. They always seem to be the very first spot they show up at as far as groups because I think the bass, once they come out of their main river channels, they want an area where they can pull up on and stage at for a while and keep feeding on that bait. And that's why I think the tapering points by far are the best. Greg, you hear so much in the about shad in the fall. You know, are the bass also feeding on other types of forage? And if so, what type? And do you target those fish differently from the shad eaters? Yes, for sure. One of the main 
forages I think that are overlooked are bluegill, honestly. And the bluegill will do the same thing. They actually group up big time. If you do it enough, you can actually see the difference on your graph from shad to bluegill to crappie and how they all look different. And I think a lot of them bass will get on the bluegill bite. And like I said, they'll leave the shallow water than bluegill and they'll get out deeper. And once you know what you're looking for in your graph and how it's gonna look, it almost looks more like when you pass over a school bluegill on your 2D sonar, it almost looks more like lasagna, kind of like, you know, smallmouth wood. That's kind of like one of the things that I definitely key in on. And what about as far as are, are you using your electronics predominantly when you go over there? Because, you know, some of those long tapering points, Greg, you start with a rod and reel, right? It can take you a long time to kind of pick it apart. So do you rely predominantly on your electronics to graph that before you even make a cast or what's your process there? Yeah, you know, 100%. I always kind of start out with my graphing as far as, uh, you know, looking at my Lake Master mapping and kind of lay out where I think they should be. And then from there, once I pick the areas where I want to go look, it just comes down to using side imaging, 2D sonar. And then once I do locate them, one of the big advantages for me is Humber 360. It can put the trollometer down in the water, and I literally can see these pods of bait on my 360 and kind of like pick my target where I'm casting to, you know, once I locate them. Greg, when you talk about the uh, bluegill, is that a different depth zone that you're looking for those types of forage, or are you still looking for those off those same types of long extended points you mentioned about the shad? Yeah, you know, sometimes they, they actually really get really deep. Uh, you know, I've, I've caught them as deep as almost 20 feet of water, honestly. And the reason I kind of like learned how to look for this years and years ago, I have a place where I live where when I was younger, I used to throw a cast down on bait, and I was throwing a cast down on the bait. And I was in my bass boat and I saw a bunch of bait down there and I threw the cast net down there and I pulled up a whole lot of bluegill. And I'm like, man, they actually look different on my 2D sonar. And that's how I learned it. I kind of have a rule of thumb. Let's just say your deepest depth in your whole entire lake is like 20 foot. Usually a really good starting point once you find these points or whatever it is, is usually in half. So like a 10 foot range kind of breaks the lake down too. Plus the thermocline, you know, all that stuff with the turnover, all that stuff you can kind of see on your graph too if you set it properly. Great information. You guys hang in here. We're going to power pole down for a short break. Stay tuned with more from Greg De Palma when we return. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Mercury Marine Go Boldly returns with BASS Elite Angler Greg De Palma and the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. It works. Be sure and visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. Guys, I got to mention real quick, uh, I've got a wild storm going on right here. Can you hear that in the background? Uh, yeah, we can hear it. Yeah. We, we were beginning <laughs> to wonder if you were like put yourself in the dryer or something with a can of marbles. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild deal. Hopefully it calms down. But uh, well, let's get after it. We'll continue the interview. <laughs> well, Greg, what are some of the differences anglers face in the northern fisheries pertaining to fall transitions versus, let's say, an angler that's that's more or less kind of concentrated in the, the southern U.S. waters? Yeah, you know, one of the one of the biggest things that I have noticed is 
north versus southern during this time of the year. You know, when I'm talking north, I'm talking like, you know, your Great Lakes up there. When I'm talking south, I'm thinking more like probably South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Uh, one of the biggest problems I can tell you is up north, when our weather changes and goes cold, it happens really fast. So I think the transition and the turnover up north is a lot faster versus down in the southern states because the weather is so much slower to progress. It actually makes the transition, in my opinion, a lot longer, which makes it sometimes a lot tougher. Hey, Greg, when you're fishing that early season transition, what are some of the most important techniques that you're using? You know, we talk about these long, flat points. We've talked about, you know, the shad, the bluegill. What techniques consistently working for you, especially the ones, you know, fishing's always tough this time of year. So those all important, you know, limit fish, you know, what, what techniques are you using to catch some of these bass? I would say there's three main techniques that I use bait-wise. Number one, I mean, you cannot go wrong with a swim bait. That's probably one of the top of my list. Uh, number two, I'm going to say a topwater, you know, whopper flopper, a buzz bait. They're just great for that time of the year. Uh, number three, some of my biggest fall bags have came on a spinner bait. And, uh, you know, out of all of them three, I don't think you can go wrong because you can pretty much target any height in the water column with all three of them besides, you know, the top footers on top. Swim bait is very versatile. You can fish it really deep in the middle, burn up top, and then a spinner bait the same thing. Yeah, so a more lateral presentations, it sounds, Greg, versus perhaps vertical. Yes, for sure, without a doubt. I mean, you're you're really trying to match the hatch as far as the forage goes. You know, if you're on a shad base lake, uh, them shad are going to be early in the morning. They could be down or up, and you can just, with a swim bait, I mean, you can do whatever you need to do as far as reaching the height where all the fish are. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about kind of depth range for you that you kind of more or less, I guess, like to lean on in, in a way. And, you know, as we chat about the scattering of bass during the season, perhaps due to the fall turnover and the stratification of oxygen and all those different biological terms that kind of factor into it, you know, it's easy to get caught up and trying to fish all through the water column. So how do you help anglers? kind of from making that same mistake yeah you know like i like i said so the fall transition is a lot like the spawn so early on in the spawn same as the fall you have a movement of fish you don't have a big movement but you always have a movement once the fall sets in or once the spawn sets in that's when you have a giant movement of fish doing the same thing so that's when it gets really really easy to me uh you know when you have that big giant movement you literally can just run down the lake see exactly where the shad height is versus where there are secondary points working their way all the way back into a creek you can start to run that as you go so every single lake you know obviously the depth changes because all lakes are different but you know if i can pick one i would like to fish them shallow you know zero to ten they're just a lot easier because they can't suspend as deep as they would way out off a point so i'm going to pick the shallower water if i can target one and that's the easiest way but greg a final question about this fall transition especially early in the season what section of the lake do you feel would be most consistent to rely on and why you know you break down a lake you've got you know the lower end kind of a middle section and then an upper or river section of a reservoir. Can you kind of break that down? If I've got a weekend to fish, where should I spend my time you think is going to be most consistent and why? Yeah, I'm going to easily say if you have an area of a lake, which most commonly this happens on every single lake, uh, if you have a big, big body of water, you know, your southern part versus your northern part of the lake number one is going to be possibly a week or two behind. Besides that, if I can just pick one area, I'd like to pick more of a narrower area just because it's going to 
cut down my scanning time by at least half, if not more. So if I could pick one, I'm going to pick more of a narrower section of the lake. All right. Great stuff, man. I appreciate all the fun fall information. It's a weird time of year. Fish get scattered and things get funky out there. It's going to be interesting how this Elite Series fall events really take shape. It's going to be cool to watch, honestly. I wish they would go back to scheduling more fall events because I think it's going to bring in a whole lot of new presentations as well. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, I think so for sure. I think the best part is going to be, you know, you're going to see how us guys get to break down a lake. One of the biggest things that I can say that I think is going to be happening because of the time of year we're hitting them, I think it's going to be more about transition spots uh, as far as before the shad and all the bass worked their way mostly all the way to the back to go either there to the wintering holes. So the transition is going to be really cool to see how our guys break down on these different bodies of water. Greg couldn't agree more, and it is time for the listener question segment of the show presented by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Jorge Sanchez from Forney, Texas, sent in the following question. You could help him break this down. How do you approach a medium-sized lake that has the best-looking cattails, pickerel weed, water willow, but has a lot of algae, providing very limited shallow water habitat, whereas if you let the Texas rig or jig hit the bottom, you constantly catching the algae? Yeah, you know, I used to fish a lake that was just like this, and I'm going to kind of give you guys a little bit of a kind of a not talked about secret here. I'm going to use a secret last, but I'm going to talk about number one, if you have an algae built up on the bottom, and a lot of my lakes where I live have the same issue where like if you're an inch or two on the bottom, you're going to, you know, your bait's getting wadded up. One of the newer techniques that really dominated a lot this year, man, was a Tokyo rig. It's a great way to get your bait out there and still keep it off the bottom if that's the issue. Besides that, if you're punching stuff, and I learned this years ago back in Florida, a lot of times when you're punching either the big water willows or the, the big cat tails when you punch your bait into them big mats or whatever it is don't let your bait fall to the bottom actually let it get through the mat hold it to the top of the mat and just shake it that's a great way now the secret is and this kind of sounds crazy but one of the things that i used to do on the hudson river all the time and it was all water chestnuts i mean just miles of water chestnuts i used to get a johnson silver minnow and what that is is basically it's a cup spoon bait with a with a hook with a protector on it I'd throw that thing all the way across the mats, and I would just use it just to reel it on top. And a lot of them fish would blow through the mats or blow through the water chestnuts and expose themselves. And once I saw that, I'd reel that thing back in as fast as I could. And whatever Texas rig I was throwing, where they blew up at, I'd throw that thing right back to the mat, let it fall in just a little bit, get below the surface, and just shake it. And I'd almost catch them every single time. It's a great way to get fish to show themselves and a different way to catch them. So that's what we call old school sonar, Greg. Oh, there you go. Yep. <laughs> My time, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, fantastic information, and we appreciate the secret. Uh, great feedback for Jorge. And Jorge, thank you for sending in that question to the show. Please make sure log on to BassEdge.com, click on the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information, and let us know that you heard Greg answer your question right here on Episode 336, and we will get out the Bass Edge gift. As always, a reminder to Bass Edge listeners, keep sending in those questions to the show. We will get them answered out here on the airwaves by some of the best anglers in the country. So uh, make sure you log in again to the website and just click the tab, ask the pros, fill out the form right here on the show. Well, Greg, thanks uh, for taking time to be on Bass Edge Radio. I don't want to rush you, but it almost sounds like we need to see if Kurt has to get on his life jacket and the uh, life preserver <laughs> given that rainstorm. But any final thoughts before uh, before we let you go? Yeah, you know, I want to give these guys one last little tip, and it's probably one of the biggest tips I can give the guys. When choosing, you know, your swim bait, this is really big. 
as far as let's let's use like a four point three Kai Tech for example. One of the biggest tips that I can give you besides you know using head weight is actually picking your line size. Your line size can really really change how many bites you can get in the course of a day. If you use a heavier pound test, I'll use this example because I've done a lot of fall fishing. So if I'm throwing that four point three Kai Tech and let's say ten feet of water, I'm really I know where the fish are. I'm just not getting bites. If I go to like a twenty pound fluorocarbon. The 20 pound fluorocarbon, obviously, fluoro sinks, but it's a heavier diameter. That's going to allow me to throw that swim bait out there. And I can actually reel it a lot slower than I could if I was throwing it on, let's say, a 10 or 12 pound. So it can keep me in the strike zone a lot longer. And the heavier line actually pulls the bait a lot better versus a thinner diameter. So that's a really big key. I can tell you right now, it will help you out if you try it. Thanks, Greg, man. It's been a great episode full of tips. Really enjoyed it. All the best this fall in the BASS Elite Series schedule. Bass Edge Nation, hang right here. Aaron and I will return in just a moment. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare KeelGuard, SkegGuard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare KeelGuard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Kurt, we have been at this a long time, 336 episodes to be exact. I can't say that we've ever had a situation to where you've had a massive storm come up on you like that. Well, look, as soon as we shut this interview down, I'm going to go out and uh, assess any damage. (laughs) I'm sure some tree limbs are down and and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, you know, being in this little tin can called a camper is, uh, it gets, I don't want to say it gets sketchy, but, uh, you know, we're up here in the woods in pennsylvania so you never know what's going to happen when the high winds happen and you got 40 50 60 foot trees around you yeah, it gets a little dicey sometimes yeah and it's kind of hard you know when greg is carving out time he was pulled over on the side of the road heading <laughs> i think back to jersey so we had uh, a lot of moving parts and anyway but back to the interview you know greg's first time on the show uh yeah brought the goods when it comes to fall fishing and very exciting to get to start talking about this topic yeah greg's always uh yeah, he's seasoned, you know. He's been in the Elite Series now a, a few years, spent a long time in the Opens division there with BASS. And, uh, you know, he's been, been doing a lot with uh, Bass University, so be sure to check him out there. And the Ike Live show, which uh, we, we got great friends over there with uh, Ike and Ellie, Pete Galusic, Brian the Carpenter, that whole crew. But the fall fishing transition, it's not an easy one to talk about, especially the early season, right? Water temps start dipping into the 60s. 
60s and 50s, you know, that becomes a real stable fall fishing scenario. Earlier in the year, like we're talking about now, it's a dicey deal. And, and I think you heard that through the interview, too. You know, it's, it's hard for Greg or any angler to pinpoint exactly where to look or how to look because the fish are completely scattered throughout the water column. It could be over 30, you know, in five feet of water, over 30 feet or in, you know, the back of a creek, you know, as far back as you could throw a, a buzz bait or, or a spinner bait, like, like Greg mentioned. And, and then you get on the shad pattern is the shad really getting balled up yet versus uh, Greg talked about bluegill forage, which was something that, you know, I don't generally concentrate on, but I think is a great outlook for new ways to attack bass. So that's probably why he's been so successful. Just overall, a good understanding of some movements and ways to target this early fall period when really in some areas it's still dog days of summer, but some fall transition and the key there being as Greg opened up, very frank about it, Daylight hours play the biggest role in his opinion, and, and I couldn't agree with him more. Yeah, no doubt. I second everything that you said. There is certainly a scenario in September, at least in my experience, it's a more difficult month for the reasons like each of you spoke of. And bites, you know, just getting a bite and certainly keepers can often be at a premium, uh, whether you're fun fishing or in a tournament, uh, what have you. But anyway, uh, speaking of things that are at a premium, that is certainly the time of our listeners. And we appreciate everybody carving out time to tune in each and every episode. Hard to believe, Kurt, we're at 336 episodes that we have went through. So just want to uh, encourage everyone in the interim before our October 1st episode, you can stay up on all things Bass Edge through the Bass Edge social media, uh, through the website. There's a lot of great stuff on that website, articles, videos, uh, certainly the products. You know, you've got Jay McNamara's book, The Pure Clean Descaler, the Lucas hand sanitizer now uh, they've came out with. So feel free, peruse on there, shoot us a message, keep the questions coming in, and we look forward to talking with everyone again on October 1st. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. <laughs>